Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you.
right, we're going to be in Matthew 6 today, Matthew 6. Like I said, we're skipping over the giving part because we did that in a recent sermon. And, um, you know, if you guys have any questions about the giving or the parking lot or anything like that, you maybe concerns, feel free to approach me or approach a board member. You know, um, we've been praying about this. You know, uh, anytime you're spending a large amount of money, I consider it large, uh, you have questions. Are we using God's money wisely? Are we doing what God wants? So we put some fleeces out there. We said, hey, you know, if you want this to happen, provide for it. And um, we also have another fleece. Hey, if you want this to happen, uh, allow the contractor. To ha- we got to the contractor late. It might not happen this year. So we're kind of using that as a fleece as well. So we don't do these things lightly. Um, we just want to be good stewards of the money that's entrusted to us, every penny right? And the board does a a good job of that. So if you have any concerns, we'd love to talk to you. And uh, I won't be offended by anything or anything like that. You know, I I, I love those kind of conversations. So, all right, Matthew chapter 6, beginning at 5, verse 5. We're going to be looking at prayer. And I I just want to know, I posted something on Facebook, just honestly, like, have you ever had the thought, like, does this thing even work? You know, does, does prayer even work. It just doesn't seem to work for me sometimes. Um, Or why doesn't God answer my prayer? You know, have you ever had that thought or that conversation with God, or I just don't get it? Um, Anybody in here say you've had that thought at least one time in your life? Anybody never think that? You want to raise your hand and just say, all right, good. One person. Great. Uh, If if you've had those thoughts at one time, or maybe those are your thoughts, man, I'm praying for this sermon. I'm praying for God's word to speak to us because I've learned something about prayer and it's totally changed my prayer life. So get with me or, or, or get with God's word, right? Let it soak in to what it has to say and ask God to speak to you fresh through it. All right, would you stand with me in honor of God's word? Begin at verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to, to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this teaching. Lord, I pray that everyone in here would have an amazing prayer life. Let us get this. Let it soak into our hearts, Lord. Let our hearts be soft to receive it. Let our eyes and ears be open, Lord, so that we can hear from you. We can hear from the word that You just spoke to us. Lord, we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
So this is the passage that Jesus gives us a model of prayer. Uh, he also in this gives us two models of prayer to avoid. Did you catch that? There are two models to avoid. And, and I, have a, I have a confession before we get into that. I love watching certain videos. They're called gym fails. Has anybody ever watched gym fails? Planet fitness gym fails are, are the best gym fails, just so you guys know if you want to look at that, right? You see, in these videos, you see all these people using this exercise equipment. Not that I know how to use the equipment, but you see all these people, and it's clearly they are using it wrong, like, and it is hilarious. Um, and, I, and I wonder, though, if they ever think, boy, this just doesn't seem to work. Like, I think it should, you know? Yeah. It's because you're not using it right, right? Similarly, when people say, I've tried prayer, and it just doesn't seem to work, I I think it has to do with how we're doing it and the way that we're approaching it. And I'm excited today because I think God's going to speak to us and, and show us some things, maybe that we're doing wrong, some things that we can change, and that the potential is here to have an amazing prayer life. That's the potential that we have before us. All right? All right. The first model that Jesus says to avoid, this is the first thing, like if you're doing it this way, you're doing it wrong, is in verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. Now, when you first read this, all right, You see these people love to pray standing in the synagogues. That would be kind of like the typical part of a church worship service or a church service. All right, so these are the people that are praying in church. Um, Jesus also adds that they love to pray standing on the street corners. The street corners meant like the town square. It would be uh, the place where the streets come together. And the meaning behind what this is, there are people who love to pray in church, and then there are all these others people that also love to pray in the community, maybe at a civil event or maybe at some religious event out there in the community. Now, is there anything wrong with either of those? No, right? None of the, nothing's wrong with that part of it, all right? I, I, we regularly include prayer in here. Mikey just did that, a public corporate prayer, right? I have prayed at council meetings and different types of things out in the community. There's nothing wrong with that. So what's the issue that he's, that he's talking about? The issue comes from that this type of person, their prayer life is just public. There's no personal prayer life. That's why he contrasts it to the people who he says, hey, in his model, hey, when you go into your room, get alone and pray to your father who's unseen, right? That's the contrast. These religious people in the first part that he says to avoid, they have a public prayer life, but they have no private prayer life to go along with it. And if we take this even further, you know, what's behind this public prayer life for these people? To them, you see, it allows them to maintain looking like somebody who's religious, like some uh, religious person to be applauded. That's what's on the surface. But underneath, remember, remember what we talked about last time with the iceberg illustration. There's nothing underneath. It's all just on the surface. It's all just for show. We, we know that because he says in here, they're doing it to be seen by men. So they want to appear more spiritual than actually use prayer 
for what it's really there for. The position is the key. The position, all right? The religious type of person in that prayer position is to be seen by other people. That's the position that they put themselves in. Private prayer, though, what does that do? That puts us in the throne room of God, alone with him, right? Prayer does not work if it's religious, if it's just for show. We're not relating to God in the proper way, in the right way when we pray just this way. And we have to be careful of that, right? So if you don't have a private prayer life, that's something that we have to to develop. If you go into your private prayer life and you have no clue what to pray, no clue how to really do it, that's a good indicator that we're doing it wrong. All right? Often uh, that comes because we don't have a passion to know God. We, we uh, don't have a passion to meet with him. I think it's because we, we don't even know that's possible. Right? Is that even possible? Yes, it is. Right? If this is you, you, you can pray. Maybe when you're in trouble, you have those private prayer times. But that's probably the, the extent of your private prayer life. It's just when you're in trouble and you need help or just when something is pushing you or something is forcing you. Right? Uh, that's when you pray. And this, honestly, probably describes a lot of people in the church today. And, and if it's you, you rightly feel, this doesn't work. That, that's an honest answer. That's an honest thought. It, it won't work if this describes you. There's, there's something wrong, but if you can recognize that, there's hope, right? There's a chance to change it. That's a good thing because we can work from there. All right. Now, on the other hand, if this describes you and you just don't care, right? I don't care if I have a private prayer life, then listen to Jesus's words, right? You're a hypocrite. You're one thing on the outside. You look religious, but on the inside, you're dead. And that's a scary place to be. Jonathan Edwards wrote a sermon years ago, and the name of it was Hypocrites Deficient in the Duty of Prayer. And he pointed something interesting out. He says there's only one thing that you do that's not for show in the Christian life. That's your private prayer life. It's the only thing you do that really isn't seen by other people, typically. You know, everything else that we do can be seen for other, by other people, but not private prayer time. That's something just between you and God. That's something that nobody else sees that's a, that's a beautiful thing in your walk, right? If you don't have it, though, it's a sign of hypocrisy. Jesus turns to another group. Verse 7, he says, And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans. Babble means this torrent of words. It's a bunch of words frantically just spewing from your mouth. So don't be like the non-religious people just spewing these words. New Age spirituality is growing more and more popular today. It's popular with people that hate religious institutions. I can't stand church, but I'm a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. That's what they, people, some people say. In this, though, people decide for themselves what they believe. They, they fashion it 
to, to suit what they want. They basically create their own religion to look like the way they want it to. And, and oftentimes, people like this, they value prayer and, and meditation. They have all these spiritual exercises that they, that they do. They want to touch the spiritual. They are seeking spirituality. And the problem with that, though, is it's all technique-driven. You see, they have uh, relaxation techniques. They have visualization techniques. But the goal is not to reach God. The goal is not to have a relationship with God, right? The goal of this New Age spirituality is just to use the divine to get what they want. That's the, that's the danger here, right? They, they want to use a God or a higher being to obtain their goals. So prayer is just that to them. It's a, it's a way to get what they want. Compare that to real prayer, which is really learning what God wants and submitting to that. If you think prayer is about getting what you want, then you're going to have that thought. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I, I'm praying for this and praying for this and praying for this, and it's just not working right. There's, there's something going on. Jesus says they think they'll be heard because of their torrent of words, because of their many words. They think because of what they do, their technique, right? They can influence and use the divine to change things. To be fair, we as Christians try to use prayer in a similar way. Sometimes we we, we want to get God to do something for us, so we figure we have to pray enough. We have to pray so many times, and we have to keep keep praying, keep repeating ourselves, right? And and I've been praying for this for years, and this this prayer thing just doesn't seem to work. Well, you know, maybe I need to pray harder or pray longer, and we, we wonder, why won't it change my world? Why won't it give me what I want? Why can't I get the results that I want? In a similar way, we think it's because of our many words that will be heard. If I just keep praying, if I just keep talking, if I just keep saying the same thing over and and praying longer, then maybe God will hear me. But Jesus says no to both of these models, right? Both of these models are wrong. And then he he gives us the the real model, his model, and helps us to understand what prayer is really about. What is prayer about? Prayer is about experiencing the friendship of God and experiencing the lordship of God through the sonship of God. All right? Prayer is about experiencing friendship and it's about experiencing lordship and it has to start with our relationship of our sonship to God. All right, the the experience of of friendship and lordship, what are we talking about there? This goes exactly in the face of the first two models that he gave that we just looked at. You see, the problem with with religious prayer is that it lacks the friendship aspect of it. It's just surface level. It's just done for show. It's not about getting into the throne room. It's not about talking with God. It's just the external. It's just to be seen by men. And then the problem with the spiritual, the new age spiritual prayer is that there is no lordship with it. It's about you getting what you want and you using the right techniques to do it, but there is no surrender to God. There's no one to obey because technically you're God and you, you just use the divine to get what you want. Um, but let's look at the first part of the Lord's Prayer that he gives us. Right? What, what is this all about? It says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice the first part of this prayer has nothing to do with needs. Right? There's no daily bread, no dealing with my guilt, no asking for strength. What, what's going on here in this first part of prayer? It's all pointed to him. Right? It's all pointed to him. I'm enjoying him. I'm noticing him. I'm rejoicing about him. I'm amazed with God before I come and ask for anything. Before I come and ask him for anything, I ask him for him. It's about presence, right? If you're like me and you've judged if prayer works by whether or not you get the things that you want and ask for, and you haven't, and you've thought that this doesn't work, I guarantee you, if you approach prayer in this way, you'll get what you're praying for. If you approach God and your, your thought is, I just want you. I just want to praise you. I just want to experience you. I just want to spend time with you. I guarantee you, you'll come away with it saying, wow, this prayer thing really works. If you do it the other way, if you skip this step, if you skip these things, it's not going to work, all right? Father, I, I, I want you in my life right now like you have never been before. That's a prayer. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for this church family that I have. I'm grateful for the ability, for, for the house that you've given me, for the roof over my head, for, for the financial things that you've blessed me with, right? If you focus in on those things, Lord, I, I want to be about your kingdom. I want my life to be focused in on what you're focused in. I want to see you. I want to see people as you see them, Lord. Uh, and be honest with it, right? Lord, and, and I struggle with seeing people as you see them. If you're honest and you'll do that, like I guarantee you're going to feel his presence. I guarantee you're going to get his presence, right? That's the primary goal for prayer. And I tell you, if you do that, prayer will never disappoint you. It will never disappoint you. Prayer is primarily for that experience to come into the throne room and just marvel in his presence. Well, James, that doesn't sound really great to me, right? Anybody thinking that? that, that you know, I, there was a time in my life that would not have appealed to me to marvel in his presence because I'm dealing with this. I've got this crazy thing going on in my life. I, I am dealing with all this anxiety, Lord, right? Mm. Do you think anxiety has a chance in the presence of the Lord? Do you think you'll be able to hold on to that? No way right? The, the Lord's Prayer is also in, introduced in Luke chapter 11, right before that there's a story of Mary, Mary and Martha. Do you remember that? Martha's running all around, doing all the things, keeping the house, right? Getting everything together, making the food, doing all the work, and she's upset with somebody. She's upset with Mary, her sister, who isn't doing nothing, right? She's just sitting down at the feet of Jesus Christ, just listening to him. Not, doesn't she know that all this stuff needs to, I need help with this. I've got all these people over and she's not even helping. How could she do this right? It makes her mad. And Jesus just lovingly rebukes her though, right? He says, Martha, Mary's found the one thing, the one thing that is needed. 
That's pretty interesting for him to say that, right? Here's Jesus telling us that there's only one thing that we really need. Everything else is negotiable. If you have this one thing, right, everything else is secondary. Well, what is that? It's the thing that Mary chose. It's to sit at his feet. It's listening to his words. Bible scholars will tell you that when Jesus spoke this, he had Psalm 27, verse 4 on his mind and says this. This is from David. It says, one thing I will ask for, one thing I seek, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Now I know that doesn't help me. That, that's what some people are going to think, Right? But, but who's saying this? This is David, right? David is a man who has a ton of problems in his life. He spends a, a good portion of it running for his life, literally running for his life, hiding for, in caves. He was a king. He was a general. He had all the weight of all of that during his life, right? He's got all these things going on, and he says, the, the one thing I need, though, is you. The one thing I need is just to, to, to look at you, just to seek you, and to just be there with you in your presence, right? It's not safety first that he's asking for. It's not protection first that he's asking for. He doesn't seek success first. He doesn't seek all the things that are weighing on him, right? He only seeks this one thing, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Why is this key? It's because in God's presence, if I focus in on him, what could possibly bother me? What is bigger than God? Nothing, right? Not the cancer that I'm facing, not the mortgage that I'm facing. Nothing is bigger than him. Nothing will shock me. Nothing can attract me. Nothing will be a draw away from, away from God and if I focus in on him, I'll be able to live this life out regardless of how crazy it is, right? And that's why Jesus is saying this about Mary. And Jesus is saying the same thing to us, right? Make prayer about experiencing him first. And the things of this world, right, the problems, the attractions that are draw us away will grow strangely dim, in the presence of God. Like I said this, if you're in the presence of God, what anxiety can keep a grip on you? What worry will be able to hold you down, to hold you back, right, when you're staring at the God of the universe? That's a beautiful place to be. And that's the point of the Lord's Prayer. That's the concept. Friendships and the presence is the first thing that we go after. Don't ask him for anything else until you ask him for him right and really seek that friendship out really seek that relationship out don't just know about god my goodness american christianity we know a lot about god we know a lot about the bible but we don't know him intimately we don't spend time in his presence you can know a lot about god and still be filled with anxiety, still be filled with all these other things, right? Still be drawn away by the things of this world, by temptation and all those things. But if you're in his presence, right, what can draw you away? What can pull you away? Nothing. 
All right. The second purpose of prayer, besides the intimacy of our Father, is thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Before you ask for what you want, seek what he wants. That's a key, right? The tendency is that when you're scared or when there's something heavy going on in your life, something heavy weighing on you, the tendency is just to skip past those first two things and just go directly and just ask him to help us out. But you got to seek his presence. you got to surrender to his lordship, right? I know you want to say, I'm scared, Lord, give me my daily bread, help me out. And you want to have, this is when the, the, the frantic torrent of words comes out. Lord, please help me. You got to help me. Uh, I'm not going to make it, you know, I, I'm just desperate for you to, to, to save me. You have to do this. You, and we tell God what to do, right? What he needs to do in those situations. Please, please, please. And we repeat those and repeat those. And I've done this in my life, right? And if you're like me, when you get done praying that prayer, you don't feel any better. You don't have peace if that's the extent of your prayer. You, you probably will even feel worse. Babble, babble, babble. How do you hear from God if you're constantly talking? If you're constantly speaking, right? Spewing frantic words, telling God what he needs to do in order to save you. That's what we're doing when we're telling God what he needs to do. You have to do this to save me. We're, we're skipping the steps, and that's why we don't find peace. We're skipping the steps, and that why, that's why prayer does not seem to work. But you come into his presence, and you experience him, and you surrender to his lordship, that's when you find peace. Why? When you surrender, you take yourself out of the place of control and you put him on the throne, right? You put yourself in the place where you need to be at his feet. And that's the place where you recognize that everything's in his control. And if he's my loving father, right, I can, I can trust him with whatever's going on in my life. That's the place where you want to be. In, a, in, a, in Genesis, there's a story of Joseph, and I love this story. Joseph's probably my, like, my favorite Old Testament story. But it's a story where his brothers sold him right as a slave, and he went through this rough life, but God raised him up through that. God brought him through all those horrible things in that nation of Egypt, and he ended up being second in control. Right. Well, not long after this, his brothers come before him and, and have to bow down before him. And in Genesis 50, his brothers are worried that he, he's going to get some revenge on them, get some vengeance on him, pay them back. And, and his father passes, a, passes away, and so they, the brothers send a letter, hey, you know, dad said not to kill us, you know, before he died, and, and say this. And do you remember, though, what Joseph's response was? He says, am I in the place of God? Am I in the place of God you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to him. My friends, the source, the source of Joseph's ability to forgive. I, I don't know if I could have forgiven my brothers. I probably would have wanted to do some things to them. You know, maybe not kill them, but the source of all of Joseph's ability 
to forgive, the source of his peace through these difficult years, the source of his lack of fear was this, get this, right? Being in the right place. Being in the right place which was not on the throne, which was not playing God, right? It was him not putting himself in the place of God. No matter what you're going through, if you can do this as well, you can experience the peace of God and all of the reassurance that comes with that. My friends, you're not God. You would make a horrible God, right? Quit playing God. Quit telling him what he needs to do with your situation. I, I watch football. All right, it's been a rough season for Monroeville. And get this. I love to think that I would make a better coach. That I know what they should be doing. I love to think of all the things that they're doing wrong and point that out. And I think about that in a game. And guess what it does to me? It drives me nuts. I sit there and fume. I sit there and I'm just playing an armchair quarterback, right? Thinking I know the slightest thing about coaching football and I do not, right? And my friends, it's the same thing that we do with God. We sit and we think we know what God should be doing. And we tell him what he should be doing. And we start fuming because he doesn't do what we tell him to do, right? We think, oh, this prayer isn't working. You're not real. You don't care about me. You don't love me, right? We're just not good at playing God. And we shouldn't put ourselves in that position. And if we do, we'll drive ourselves nuts. We'll be miserable trying to play God, right? You will struggle if you skip ahead in prayer. You will struggle if you skip ahead and ask for what you want instead of surrendering to what he wants. Be like Joseph, right? He didn't hold a grudge. Am I in the place of God? This is huge for us, right? Lord, I'm not sitting on your throne. I don't want to sit on your throne. You're Lord. You're going to do a much better job. You're sovereign. I want to just surrender to your will. I want your will to be done. Lord, I trust you. Whatever path that you have for me, I know it's going to be the best for me because you see the big picture. You have all the knowledge in the world. I am very limited. So I'm going to surrender to that and just trust you. Make that a part of your prayer time. And I guarantee you, you won't think prayer is broken. Martin Luther had a friend named Philip, and every so often he would pat him on the back and he would say to Philip, let Philip cease to rule the world. Can I pat you on the back? Cease to try and play God. Cease to try and rule this world, right? How miserable are you when you play president? Right? Some of us in here are driving ourselves nuts. We can't find peace. And it's because we're trying to play God or think that we, we know better than God. It's in real prayer, prayer that seeks his presence, prayer that acknowledges his lordship, that we find real peace. Okay, how does this happen? How can I experience his friendship? How can I experience his lordship? How can I know that I can trust him so implicitly, right? Isn't that the big question? Well, how does he start off in this prayer? 
He tells people to pray, Our Father. How do you start off in your prayer? Maybe not the words, but who are you approaching? Who are you coming before? What are you imagining? Is it a father? Because that's what Jesus wants. If you heard me and I said, my Adivy, you would know that I was talking about somebody that was very close to me, probably a wife or a daughter, right? You'd probably know that because these words show a very intimate relationship, right? I'm not going to say my Howard. I'm not going to say my John. I'm not going to say my Debbie, even though that we have a relationship, right? No, we don't have the intimacy like we do with our spouse, where the two become one, right? With, that we do with our, our, our parents that we have. And this is what Jesus says, you know. He says, when we say our Father, we got to know this is the language of intimacy. And, and this is what Jesus wants us to have with God. This is how Jesus wants us to approach him. This is what's available to us, this kind of intimacy. And it comes from the gospel, right? It comes from the doctrine of adoption. The doctrine says, I became a Christian, a child of God, when I say, Father, accept me because of what Jesus did. Right? Accept me as your child because of what Jesus did. And it's in that moment that we get sonship. And, and ladies, Please don't think I'm leaving you out, right? Don't be put off with that. I could say that it's in that moment that we become children of God. But in the New Testament, right, in those days, sonship was a, a legal status. It was a legal standing. When you had adopted somebody, some person, not only did they become family, but they also became your heir. But only men could get sonship. But Paul, John, and other New Testament writers, they had the audacity to say that when you receive Christ as your Savior, God gives you, no matter who you are, no matter if you're rich or poor, male or female, He gives you sonship. He gives you an inheritance. He gives you the family. But He also gives you the inheritance. And when you know that, when you really get that, you'll be able to pray to your father. Your father. I don't know if you've had a good relationship with your dad or not, but there's something about getting a hug from your dad. And that's available with our father. Whether you had a crappy father in this life, that's available from your heavenly father. You, you, you see kids, right? Whenever something goes awry and they get into trouble, man, if their dad's available, they're, they're going to run to him. They're going to run to him, and what do they do? They grab on. They grab on to your dad. That's a safe place to be. That's an amazing place to be. And that's how Jesus wants to, for us to see God. Is that who you're approaching in prayer? Is that who you're speaking to? father it should be right huge bomb cell for the for the people that first heard this message for the jews i can i can approach god like a father right some of you are still approaching god like like a lord 
And that's not a bad place to be or not a bad thing to do, but you're missing out on the intimacy. You're missing out on the fellowship. You're missing out on that, that relationship aspect of it, right? When Jesus came to Peter before he fell, Luke twenty two thirty one, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Simon, that your faith may not fall. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Can you imagine Jesus praying for you like he did right there with Simon? He knows he's going to screw up. But he loves them. And he's praying for them. Right? Hebrews 7 says, that when we become Christians, that Jesus lives to ever intercede for us. We don't have to imagine it. He's praying for us. He's interceding for us. He's standing for the Father saying, I want this for Joan. I want that for John. I want this for Mikey. Right? He's got these things that he, he wants to give us, and, and, and he's praying to the Father for that. And we don't get those things because we're good or we deserve it. We get those things because Jesus is interceding for us and asking the Father for those things. But we have to surrender in order to get them. When we surrender, it puts us into the position to receive what Jesus is asking the Father for. Some of us are missing out on that because we don't have time for prayer, because we think prayer doesn't work. Are you kidding me? Don't miss out on those things. Don't miss out on being in the throne room of God. Don't miss out on that relationship that you can have with the Father, right? Make your prayer time about asking for his presence and recognizing him as Lord before you start out and ask for anything else, right? And I guarantee you, you will not ever think again, prayer doesn't work. I just don't get it. I just don't see anything for it, right? If I could make it even simpler, here's what Here's what prayer is. It's listening to God and responding to him. It's listening to God and responding to him. If you had an appointment with an incredibly powerful and important person, would you spend the whole time talking? You'd probably spend the whole time listening and responding. Then why do you think prayer is about you speaking? you talking the whole time. Don't you know you can just run to the Father and grab onto Him and He knows exactly what you need? You don't have to, you don't even have to tell Him. Just go get in His presence. Right? Go surrender your life to His Lordship. Be quiet. If your prayer life is if your prayer life is grabbing that prayer list that we have and being like, okay, Lord, um, here, would you pray for, I need help with this, I need a, a new job, and, and would you help uh, George, and would you help Mikey, and would you help Carolyn, and would you help this? Okay, amen. If that's it, what kind of prayer life is that? That will not work. 
That will not work. You have to come before him and just grab a hold of him and approach him. Right? What, what is, who am I holding? Who is this God of the universe? Let me just marvel at him, right? And what is he telling me to do? What is he showing me about me, right? If you focus in on those two things, it will change your prayer life forever. Don't think that you got to do any talking. It's okay to talk. You know, it's okay to intercede. That's part of the prayer, but don't do that first, right? Focus in on those other things. Let me give you one exercise because I like to be practical. I like to say, so what, all right? How do we approach this? Um, How do we listen to him? It's through the Word of God, right? Get in your prayer, get in your prayer time. Open up the Bible first thing. Read a paragraph. Read it. Read a chapter, right? And after you get done reading, take some time and just listen. As you're reading it again, just take some time and just listen before you ask for anything. Notice who He is in the passage. Notice who He is in the passage, and listen to what He says. And then get in and read it again, and do the same thing. Ask yourself two questions, right? Lord, what are you telling me about you? What am I learning about you? What do I see in you? And just praise him for it. Praise him for everything that he reveals during that time and just focus in on him. That's step one. Then step two, Lord, what are you telling me about me? What are you saying to me? How can I apply this to my life? What do I need to learn, right? pray those things, wrestle with him about it, because he's going to tell you something that you don't like. He's going to tell you you should forgive this person, and you're going to be like, I, I don't want to forgive this person. And he's going to say, I'm telling you to forgive this person, and you're going, to, you're going to have a wrestling match with him, right? That's okay. That's a good place to be. You might not finish that wrestling match in that prayer session, but keep wrestling to, until you get to the place where you surrender it down, and you lay it down, and you realize that he's Lord, that he's got what's best in mind for you, right? And then you can go in and do the rest of your prayer life. You can ask him for things, right? You can ask for your daily bread. You can intercede for people. That's a great thing to do. Lord, would you please help my brother Mike? Um, He's got fashion problems and he needs some help with that, right? Yeah, just kidding. But don't skip those first two steps. Right? Can I give you a, a, an even more practical thing? Read through the Gospel of John. It's 21 chapters. Read one chapter a day and put that into practice. One chapter a day, if you do it for 21 days, all right, I guarantee you, it'll change your prayer life. And come tell me about it. Uh, I'm going to do it with you, because right? I kind of feel like a hypocrite myself preaching this sermon. Will you do that? Will you take that challenge? Gospel of John, if you've already read the Gospel of John 20 million times, go to the Psalms. That's a great place to focus in on God. Just read a psalm a day, all right, and then just pray those things. Lord, what are you revealing about yourself? And just praise him for those things. And then, Lord, what are you revealing about me? What can I apply to my life? You know, you might not see something every day, all right, but make that your practice. And then do your regular prayer time, your other prayer time where you intercede for people and do that. I guarantee you, if you do that, it'll change your life. It'll change your life, all right? We got it? Don't, prayer is not just asking God for things. If you keep on doing it that way, I know you heard me, but some of you are going to just keep doing that. The only time you pray is going to be when, you, when something bad's happening and you need something. And you're going to be stuck in that place where prayer doesn't work. 
But if you focus in on friendship with God, on his lordship, on his surrendering his life, it will change your prayer life forever. Amen? Would you stand with me? Don't complain that prayer doesn't work if you're going to continue to doing it wrong. Right? Don't complain if you're just going to keep doing it the way you want to do it. Don't be a hypocrite. Do it the way that he shows us to do it. If you want more on the Lord's Prayer, we did a sermon series where we went through each series. You can go check that out on YouTube. And I pray that it speaks to you. But develop a real intimate prayer life. It'll, it'll rock this church. It will rock your life. Amen? Father, we thank you for today. Lord, uh, I almost forgot communion. <laughs> Father, we just want to give you praise. We just want to give you glory for everything that you've done for us. Lord, I pray that each and every person here would know that you're the God who died on a cross for them so that we could have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. You said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Lord, and we see you all over this book. We see you all over the Gospels, Lord. And we give you praise. Lord, let us live in response to that. Let us surrender our lives completely to you and what you'd have us to do. Lord, if there's something that we're struggling with, would you help us to come before your feet and just lay it down there and entrust it to you? Lord, let us not play God. Let us not think that we can even come close to playing God. Let us let you do it. Lord, and I pray that you would put it on our hearts. Give us a hunger and a thirst to spend time with you and to hear from you. And I pray that you'd speak to us in an amazing way. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to go out of here and share the good news with other people. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen.